0: Bible teaching that emboldens your faith with an unyielding commitment to the transformative power of God's Word. Dive deep into scriptures, uncover profound insights, and find practical applications for your daily life.
1: This is Bold Faith Unleashed with Rev. Rich Rogers. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about the foundations of faith. Hebrews 11.1 one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think the message version kind of unpacks this a little bit better. It says, The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we cannot see. The New Living Translation says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. The main parts of this text here describes faith as the evidence of things not seen. For example, you hope for finances to meet your obligations you have to pay. Faith gives you the assurance that you will have the money when you need it. You hope for physical strength to do the work that you got to do or healing. Faith says, the Lord is my strength of life, of whom shall I be afraid, in Psalms 27.1. Faith says about itself everything that the word says. So faith in God is simply faith in what he is saying. We have to believe it and take it as it comes. Hebrews 11.6 says, so without faith it is impossible to please him, him being God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so maybe we better take another look at faith and find out if it's impossible to please god without faith what is it now there's two kinds of faith head faith versus heart faith john wesley once said that the devil has given the church a substance for faith one that looks and sounds much like faith that few people can tell the difference the substitute is called mental assent Many people read God's word and agree that it is true, but they are just agreeing only with their minds. That is not what gets the job done. It is a heart faith that receives from God. The key here is is that we have to learn how to receive. In Mark 11, 22, he says, I want you to have faith in God. Now, the disciples and Jesus had been walking back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem for three days. Jesus wants to go get A fig from the fig tree and it didn't have figs on it so he cursed it and told it to die now you can go read this story for yourself in mark 11 but the point here is is that the tree didn't die for three days or did it it actually didn't appear to be dead for three days but it actually died as soon as jesus told it to wither up and die the disciples finally after the third day when they saw the tree had died they asked jesus how did this happen and we pick this story up in Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered them simply and said, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. In verse 24, he says, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. Now, so often... People, when they pray, they hope that it works out. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You can have doubt in your head and have faith in your heart. Just don't let your mouth hook up with your head. In other words, I don't care how much doubt that you have in your head. What comes out of your mouth needs to be the word of God. And we see this because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, according to Romans 10.8. It says, what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. Now, going back to this story in Mark 11.22, I can't believe whatever I want to believe and get whatever I want. I have to believe what the word says. And so, how does it say? It says that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Because with the heart, we believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. So, what's going on here is, I can't believe whatever I want to believe and be healed any more than I can believe whatever I want to believe and be saved. It says that I have to not have doubt in my heart But believe those things, what I say, when I ask and I pray, I will receive them. I have to receive it. I have to say physically, I will receive it. So can you see that faith and confession work together? What comes out of our mouth, God isn't the only one hearing it, folks. The devil hears what comes out of our mouth as well. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. He devours those with words of doubt. Confession is one of the main ingredients to receiving anything by faith. Now we see another story in Romans 4.17 where Paul is kind of recapping what has gone on with Abraham. Because Abraham was made righteous because of his faith. God said, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, who was God. And in 4.21 of Romans He says, and being fully convinced, that was Abraham, that what he, God, had promised, he was also going to be able to perform. The point here is that we have to believe what the Word says. See, the difference between the Greeks and the Jews, when the Greeks read something, they wanted to figure it out, analyze why, thank God for the Greeks, they gave us gymnasiums, education, things like that. However, when the Jews heard what God said, They just said, well, God said it. Let's go do it. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. Kenneth Hagin said, Faith is grasping the unrealities of hope and bringing them into the realm of reality. Okay, so this is all awesome. Now we know about faith. We need to learn about faith. Well, how do we get faith? First of all, we all have been given the same measure of faith from day one. But how do we grow it? Faith is kind of like a muscle. It has to be developed. That's why some people have what looks like an enormous amount of faith, but they have the same faith you do or what I do, but they have exercised that faith and it's incredibly strong. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Well, how do we hear the word of God? Well, there's a couple different ways. Mainly, you can listen to it by someone else reading it, or when you read it, say it out loud. But faith comes by hearing the word of God. God said it, so we would write it down and speak it back out. That's why it is so important to make sure that what we say lines up with the word of God. So let's look at the difference between faith and hope. Here's one of the biggest misunderstandings of faith and hope. So Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Well, faith does something. Faith actually will act. James 2.14 says, James is writing here to the Christians, and he said, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? faith has to be more than a belief in certain facts it must result in action growth in christian character and the practice of a moral discipline or it will die it takes a positive faith or a now faith to get results hope looks to the future but faith is now faith says i receive my healing now not being moved by what i see with my eyes it is not hoping that will get the job done, it's believing, or specifically saying, I receive. So, for example, someone says, I believe I receive my healing sometime, or eventually, or I hope I get healed. That's not faith. That's hope. And that little word will cause the devil to attack us, or quite frankly, go to God and say, see, he doesn't have any faith. He's hoping he's going to get it. Now faith says, I receive it, and I receive it right now. Because hope is looking to some indefinite future time, faith says, I receive it now. Now, we have to unpack something that's very important. So often, and even in the Word, and even in that story in Mark 11 that we read, faith was a process. Because I receive it now, and I have healing now, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be instantaneous by my eyes. It must be noted, however, that even though through faith is now, healing is now. The manifestation of healing, specifically, usually, is a process. The writer of Hebrews specifically says, hold fast to your confession of faith. Now, when you unpack this in the Greek, it literally gives us A visual of someone holding on to a rope on the side of a cliff for their dear life. That's how much that we have to hold on to our faith. Because if everything was instantaneous as soon as we said it with a magic wand, we wouldn't have to have any faith. I hope that this is really making sense. But you have to really understand that when we lay our faith down on something, the devil will come and attack us with everything. This is something I saw oftentimes as a pastor when we would pray for someone's healing. You know, Let's say that I'm praying for someone's arm, for whatever reason, whatever was hurting them in their arm. I, I saw so many people walking away feeling their arm. Well, I don't need to look to see if it happened right this second. My faith says it's already done. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what the word of the Lord says. I have to believe what it says. Now, back in Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast to our profession of faith without wavering. And also in that chapter down in verse 38, it says, now the just will live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. This is some big words about how God feels about people who shrink away from their faith. When you confess something, you need to stand firm on it. And don't be moved by what is going on around you. Believe what you say and believe that you've received what you say. Now, faith has three main parts to it. The first one is right and wrong thinking. What we believe is the result of our thinking. If we think wrong, we'll believe wrong. If our believing is wrong, our confession is going to be wrong. In other words, what we say is going to come out wrong. It all hinges on what we think about. The Word of God has been given to us to straighten out our thinking. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 specifically says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. I can't lean on my own understanding. I have to lean on what the Word says. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, or not in the flesh, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we have to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then there again in 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, For whom has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but that we have the mind of Christ. We need to realize that our thoughts can come into our minds from two different sources. In other words, the thoughts that are in our minds don't always originate from our minds. The devil can put thoughts in our minds, whisper in our ear, but he doesn't know what we are thinking until we open our mouths and it comes out. So often, you hear this all the time, I don't feel good. Well, now we just gave the devil permission, quite frankly, the authority to attack us. When you don't feel good, you don't have to say you don't feel good. If you have to open your mouth and say something, say, thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Of course, you know thoughts can come from God from within us as well, and that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so many people I hear, I don't know how to discern that, Pastor. Well, let me put it in simple terms. What does that thought make you feel? Does it make you feel bad, or does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel anxious? If it doesn't encourage you, it's not from God. God is going to give us encouragement. He's not going to give us a test in the form of making us feel bad about what we think. Just be smart about this. So as you stay in fellowship with the Lord through prayer, meditation, and studying His Word, you will learn to discern which thoughts are from where. Simply stated, evil thoughts are from the devil. God is love. Love thinks no evil, hears no evil, and sees no evil. We should all become God-minded in the only way that we can achieve this is to think God's thoughts after him. Or think on what God says in his word and confess what is true. I hope you're picking up on another little underlying tone here, is that we need to be in the word every day. Specifically, we really need to read a chapter every day. You have to get the Lord's word on the inside of you. Let's look at it this way. The, God's word, or the Bible, is what we have That is his language. If we only know Jesus loves me, this I know, and we don't know anything else in the word, we're going to have a really hard time understanding when the Holy Spirit speaks something to us because he's always going to speak through his word. Most of the time when I pray for something, the answer usually comes through something in the Bible because that's his word. That's his language. I hope that makes sense. The second one is right and wrong, believing. Believing with your heart, whether it is for salvation, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, healing, or some other answer to prayer, is the only way that you can receive anything from God, other than through manifestations of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you must understand that the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate only as the Spirit wills and not according to our desire. Now, he hears our prayers, don't get me wrong. But 1 Corinthians twelve eleven says, but one and the same spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, don't get humb on that. We all have the same faith and the same abilities, but it comes down to, for lack of a better way to say this, is that where is our faith? How do we receive? And really, are we in faith or are we in hope? But this this verse here in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, believing with the heart is the only means which we can exercise to receive from God. Revelation 3, 11, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Jesus said this to John because he knew that there is a power out there that would endeavor to rob us and defeat us. Faith is like love. It is revealed only in action and word. So there is no faith without confession, but faith will grow with our confession. Confession does many things for the believer, but one of the biggest things is confession will give us direction. We cannot receive from God without right believing and right confession. And when we begin to realize that, we can begin to get somewhere with God and get somewhere In reference to our belief. We see this in the Old Testament, actually. Numbers 13 and 30 tells us, and I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go out and take this land. We can certainly conquer it, but all the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against these. They're giants. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land that they had traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes and lives there. All the people that we saw there were huge. The 12 spies that were sent into Canaan, now this was the land that God promised them. Only two of the 12 came back and said, well, God said it, let's go do it. They fixed the landmark of their lives by their confessions. Ten of them said, we can't do it. They believed they couldn't. Unfortunately... All of Israel, millions of people, accepted the majority report and wandered the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief, even after God told them they could take the land. But Joshua and Caleb had a different report. They believed that they could take the promised land. The key word here is, it was promised. They said, let's go up at once and possess this thing. We're able to overcome. That statement fixed the landmark of their lives. They were the only two out of millions of people that lived long enough to see the promised land. Folks, I'm telling you right now, there's so many things in the Word that we need to stick with. We have promises from God. We just need to lay hold on this foundation of faith to receive it. Every success book out there will tell you that you are what you think. So why would it be any different in God's Word? In all reality, they're just mimicking what's in God's Word. It was the first thing written. So we have right and wrong thinking, right and wrong believing. Number three is we need to understand our authority. One of the biggest problems with most Christians today is they do not know who they are in Christ. They don't know that they are the righteousness in Christ. We are righteous. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. Jesus came to them saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. 1 Corinthians 5.4 says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are gathered together along in my spirit with the power of our Lord Christ. Not only do we have the power and authority that Jesus gave us, we are righteous in the Father's eyes because of what Jesus did at the cross. Folks, I'm going to tell you, and in the coming episodes, we're going to really unpack a lot of this stuff. But... So many people think that they have to be worthy. Yes, we do need to live upright and as best we possibly can, but we're never going to be perfect. God doesn't see our infirmities and, quite frankly, our problems when he looks at us. If we're saved, all he sees is his son. We need to realize it's not about us. It's about who is in us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Romans 4.3, Abraham believed God and God counted him righteous because of his faith. Romans 4.13, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship that came by faith. And then lastly in Romans 4.22, He says, because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Are you seeing a tone here? All through the Bible, all, all the way back in the Old Testament, it was all about faith. Faith brings us to a right relationship with God. We have to believe it. Folks, these are perilous times. If at no other time in our history, we need to learn how to exercise and strengthen our faith. There is an evil in this world that will never give up. It will never quit. It wants you and needs you to believe that you are not righteous and that faith is something of the past. If we don't understand the authority that we have, we don't realize that we are righteous. How can our faith work? How can we go one more day without having faith in God?
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Bold Faith Unleashed with Reverend Rich Rogers we invite you to join us on an inspiring journey that transcends boundaries as we explore the uncharted territories of faith, unlocking the potential of miraculous transformations and a life lived with purpose and courage. By partnering with Bold Faith Ministries, you become an integral part of a ministry that is committed to spreading the life-changing truths of the Bible. Your financial contribution helps us produce high-quality episodes, enhance our reach, and invest in resources and technologies that enable us to connect with more individuals seeking spiritual growth and guidance. With your support, we can expand our impact, reaching people in every corner of the world with a transformative message of faith. To find out more about Bold Faith Ministries and how you can partner with us, go to BoldFaithMinistries.com.